Well, hey, LifePoint Church, my name is Pastor George. I'm the founding pastor of LifePoint, and I've been here 31 years. I think we all know that in this time of history, a lot of decisions are being made. But we don't realize that in any given day, we make 11 to 14,000 decisions. And in a lifetime, about five to eight of those are significant. They really determine the direction of our life. And so I think we understand that life is a series of choices. We make our choices and our choices make us. We make our decisions and if we make good ones, we succeed. If we don't, we don't. With every decision that you and I make, it has consequences. And the potential for error is greater because we're human. We are imperfect. And because of that, we struggle with decision-making. Should I continue homeschooling? Or should I send my kids to public school with whatever is going to be going on at that time? Should I go back to church? Or should I wait for another couple of years? I'm furloughed. Should I be looking for a new job? Or should I stay with the one that I have? We're in this valley of decision-making. And indecision brings stress in our life. And yet we have a heavenly father that says, I don't want you to be stressed out about the decisions that you need to make. Yet when we feel that tension, do I hold on or do I let it go? Do I continue to do that, what I've always done or do I try something different? When we feel that tension, in regards to decision-making, the Bible says that we are a double-minded man, unstable in all our ways. The Greek word for unstable means uh, staggering. It's like a drunk who's staggering around. He's uncertain of his footing. And so we are stressed. Even if we do make a decision, you know what we do? A lot of times we will then second guess ourselves and we are still staggering, uncertain. God doesn't want that for us. What is the antidote? Well, the antidote of making decisions in uncertain times, folks, it's to let God lead you. The Bible's pretty clear that life is a journey. And yet on this journey, God has not left us up to our own devices. He has given us a roadmap. It is called the Bible. He has given us a compass. It is called our conscience. He has given us a personal guide. It is called the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us that he wants to lead us in paths of righteousness. That means that God wants to lead you and he wants to lead me. He wants to lead all of us in the right path. God doesn't want you to mess up your life. He doesn't want you to waste your time and he doesn't want you to waste your resources. As a pastor, I don't want you to waste your life either. I don't want you to waste your time and I don't want you to waste your resources. The question is this, how do you discover the right path? And how do you keep on it? That is a question that you and I need to be asking because in one sense, we are at the fork in a road. We are at the trailhead with a lot of different paths and the ones that we choose to go on can be a major decision that will affect the rest of our life. Now, I know some of you are sitting there, probably in your PJs around the kitchen table, maybe in the family room watching this on the big screen, and you're thinking, Pastor George, you know, I have tried to allow God to lead me, and I just don't get it. How can God lead me? Well, to understand how God wants to lead you, you may first have to stop some things in order for God to start some things in you.
Oftentimes when we get into this, I'll call it this valley of decision, we look to the wrong things first and then we begin to look to the right things. We are in a series called Walking with God Through Uncertainty out of Psalms 23. And a lot of people think that this psalm is about death. It's not. It's really about life. And sure, death is a part of life. But it is about life and how God wants to be with us and as we walk through times of uncertainty. And I made the statement a number of weeks ago that when you are in uncertain times that you need to look for those things that don't change. And God doesn't change. And we have seen in this psalm that God is good and that he is good all the time. That he is the source of all that we need. That he is the God of peace. That he wants not only for there to be external peace, but he wants there to be internal peace. And he is a God who restores. That he wants to restore our minds, our wills, and our emotions. Today we're going to take a look at how God leads us. Because God is a leader. Psalms 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. He has promised to lead us. He has not left us up to our own devices. God says, I am going to lead you and I'm going to guide you. In fact, one of the proofs that you are a follower of God is that you allow him to lead in your life. Take a look at this at Romans 8, 14. Only those people who are led by God's spirit are God's children. And so this topic of being led by God and we being followers of him is vital to understand. Now, I love to go to Colorado every year, and I love mountain hiking. In fact, two years ago, I climbed the highest mountain in Colorado, Mount Elbert, 14,439 feet. And I can tell you this, as you are climbing a mountain, there is a lot of stops along the way. You start, you slow down, and then you stop or pause. On your journey through life, there will be a lot of starts, a lot of slowing down times like COVID-19. And there will be a lot of stops where you reevaluate things like family decisions like relational decisions, like business decisions, like health and safety decisions. How is it that you get God's leading, God's guidance for your particular life? Well, in order to get God's leading, folks, you and I must first stop looking to other things. Let me give you a few. Will you write these down? First of all, I can't follow a culture that doesn't follow God. If I want to be led by God and I want to discover the right path for me, for my family, for my business, whatever, I can't follow culture that is going in a different direction. In other words, you can't have two, you can't follow two rabbits at the same time. You've got to choose what's going to be number one in your life. Now realize this, that most people decide what's number one in their life by asking what is the most acceptable. And the drive is, I just want to fit in. I mean, if they're doing it, guess what? I I'm going to do it. There are even magazines out there about this. Things that, 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 uh, that, what are, uh, that, that are what 
what's in and things that are out. And if it's in, you need to start doing it. And if it's out, guess what? You need to stop doing it. And so as a result, there is this great pressure on our life to conform. Maybe you felt that way when you got out of your car and you didn't put on your COVID-19 mask and everyone had it on and you just felt this pressure that you needed to go back and get it. You see, for too many of us as believers, we want to accept the cultural and political standards of the day because everybody else is doing it. Notice what Paul says about this in Romans chapter 12, verse two. Do not copy the behavior or values of this world. Instead, let God transform you. In other words, be different into a new person by changing the way you think. In other words, don't think like everybody else. Then you will know the reason that we don't know is because we've been infected by a cultural virus, so to speak. What God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. I want you to circle three words. Circle the words good, pleasing, and perfect. God's plan for your life is good. Folks, it's not bad. And it's pleasing. In other words, it's enjoyable. And it's perfect. In other words, it never goes out of style. One of the weaknesses of following culture is that culture is here today and it is gone tomorrow. Nothing is as worthless as yesterday's fashions, right? I mean, the bell bottoms that I have in my closet from back in the 60s and 70s, hey, it's not in anymore, okay? Nothing is worthless as yesterday's fashions because they are here today and gone tomorrow. And the same is true with morals. A lot of the morals are here today and they are gone tomorrow. Notice what the Bible says about this in 1 John 2, 17. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. And so you don't want culture to be number one in your life. And yet people will say, well, I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. It doesn't matter whether you're on the wrong side of history or on the right side of history. What matters is that you're right. Now that's pretty easy. I want to get, let's say, a little closer to home. This one's a little bit more personal. The second thing that you and I need to stop in order to get God's direction for our life is that I can't follow my friends who aren't led by God. If my friends are going in a direction <clears throat> that is the opposite of, of where God is going, folks, I have to make a choice. It's one thing to say, you know what, I'm going to be counterculture. But it is totally a different thing to not allow your friends to influence you. One of the reasons that we don't hear God's voice in our inner ear is that we are listening to the voices of other people. We can't hear God's will for our life because we're listening to everyone else's will for our life. Well, you need to do this. Well, you need to do that. You, you need to listen to this. You need to watch this. You need to drink this. And what happens is that we begin to fill our mind with garbage. I say we need to be, we need to be just as concerned about mind pollution as we are air pollution. Am I going to listen to what my friends say or am I going to listen to what God says? Take a look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. Do not let anyone, that includes friends, lead you the wrong way. Christ is righteous. In other words, he's right. He's the leader and he is always right. So to be like Christ, you must do what is right. And anyone who keeps on sinning is being led by the devil. So if you have a friend who is habitually sinning, are they being motivated by God or are they being motivated by the devil? If they aren't being motivated by God, the question then probably, the question becomes this, 
What do you do? They're, they're a friend. Will you write this down? You need to be tender, but don't surrender. You got to be tender with them and talk with them, but you don't surrender. Folks, there's lots of bad advice in our world. Would you agree with that? I think we all would agree with that. There's lots of bad advice. Folks, there's been a lot of bad advice about COVID-19 out there. I always hear something all the time. It's the latest thing, okay? There's lots and lots of bad advice out there. As I was even thinking about this on the web, just doing research, I, I had an article pop up on the web that said the 12 reasons why having an affair is good for your marriage. I thought, Folks, there's lots of bad advice out there. So let me say something. One of the greatest needs that you have that you probably don't even realize is the need to be respected. And as an adult, especially with older kids, you want to be respected by them. That need of being respected by your older kids ought to hamper the decisions that you make as a parent with younger kids. Just think about that. I can't let culture get me off track. I can't let even my best friends get me off track because the Bible says don't let anybody, and I would add to it anything, leads you astray. Now, in saying that, I am not at all saying that you can't have ungodly friends. You can. But you should, and you should, for ministry's sake, to influence them. Not for them to influence you. Every day, whether you are at work as an essential or whether you are in community six feet apart from others, you have to decide, are you going to be, are you going to be a thermostat or are you going to be a thermometer? Are you going to change the environment or are you going to reflect the environment? Are you going to love the world or are you going to love God? But Pastor George, uh, somewhere in the Bible it says, uh, for God so loved the world. What's up with that? Well, yes, it does. To understand this, you have to understand how the word world is used in two different ways. In one way, it refers to people that are in the world. Another way that it's referred to as is the world's value system. We are called to love people who are in the world, but we are not to love the world's value system. And yet, oftentimes, as Christians, we get those reversed. Gallup has done lots of studies. We, as Christians, are just as hedonistic as the ungodly. We, as Christians, are just as materialistic as the ungodly. We as Christians love our culture just as much as the ungodly love their culture. And we as much as the ungodly don't love people. We got it reversed. And God comes along and he says, no, 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 no. Love people in the world but don't love the world's system. And so in order for me to begin le being led by God, I've got to stop being led by my culture. I've got to stop being led by my friends. Number three, I can't look to other sources besides God. If I'm looking for direction for my life, the best place to find it, folks, is not on TV. And it's not on uh, radio talk shows, and it's not through some magazine. It is through the Bible, God's Word. I can't look to other sources besides 
God. And there are plenty of other substitutes out there for God. When you and I look to other sources for direction, for our future, other than God, that is called divination. Divination means trying to figure out your future without consulting God about it. And there are a lot of ways that that is happening. You hear it through words like predictions, prognosis, and now the big word is modeling. Do you know what they did in ancient times in regards to figuring out the future? It was called consulting the liver. What they would do is they would sacrifice an animal and they would take a look at the liver and if it looked one way, they would do it and if it looked a different way, they wouldn't do it. The Roman Empire did this and the Babylonian Empire did this. In fact, take a look at Ezekiel 21, 21. For the king of Babylon will stop at the fork in the road Okay, got a decision. <laughs> it's the trailhead. Am I going to go this path? Am I going to go that path? At the junction of the two roads to seek an omen, he will cast lots with arrows. He will consult his idols. He will examine the liver. That's why I say there's 50 ways to lose your liver. <laughs> but this is called divination. Does this stuff exist today? Sure it does. Palm reading, horoscopes, tarot cards, crystal balls, tea reading shops. People looking to, uh, uh, to understand their future without God. In Russia, what they do is they throw beans on the floor and they look for certain patterns to determine what they should do in the future. In the Caribbean, they, they release their parrots out of their cages, and whatever card they land on, that determines what they think their future will be. In some countries, they use rumpology. They hire a person to study your butt. <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is, this is crazy. Why do people do that? because they don't want a boss in their life. They want a future, yes, but they don't want God in their life as their boss who's directing it. Take a look at Deuteronomy 18. Never look to psychics or seances or fortune-telling or the stars or people who claim to contact the dead. People who do these things are doing evil and God hates it with a passion. If you are following the stars, guess what? You are not following the sun. And if you have a friend who's doing that, you need to be tender without surrender and you need to tell them they're going down the wrong path. The fourth thing that we need to stop in order to get God's leading in our life is this, I must stop being led by my circumstances. I am absolutely amazed at how many Christians determine, how many Christian believers determine God's will for their life through circumstances. I miss the plane, must be God's will. Uh, heavy traffic, must be God's will. Didn't set the alarm last night, overslept, must be God's will. Folks, you and I are on shaky ground when you are determining God's will for your life through circumstances. And there's plenty of examples in the Bible of people who did this. You remember the story of Jonah and we often say the whale, but really it was a big fish? God's will for Jonah was for him to go to Nineveh and in our words, we'd say to preach the gospel. But he said no. He said no because he was a bigot. He was a xenophobe. He, he, was, race, he, was, a race, he was racially prejudiced, okay? And so he was looking for a way out. And so he goes to the shoreline and he sees a ship that's going in the opposite direction of the, of the way that God wanted him to go. And he thought, this must be God's will. 
Oh, and then he looked into his pocket. He says, you know what? It's $25.95 uh, uh, for, for a ticket on this boat. And he looks in his pocket and he has it to the exact penny. This must be God's will. And then he finds out there's just one seat left on the boat. Ah, it's definitely God's will. But it wasn't God's will. Paul is on his way to Rome to share the gospel with the Romans. And he's excited about it. He's on this ship and it's docked at a certain port and winter comes and God speaks, don't leave, stay here. There's rough sailing ahead. And the crew and the captain and the owner of the ship didn't listen. They, they, they felt a gentle breeze come up and they thought, this must be God's will. And they headed right into a storm. Have you ever had a gentle breeze come up in your life where you felt, this is just what I wanted, but it headed you into a storm. This is the epitaph of many a believer who trusted in circumstances. They were looking on the outside, and oh boy, it really looked good on the outside, but they didn't realize that behind the scene, a storm was a-brewing. How many circumstantial open doors have you walked through in your life that you found to be a trap door? King David was supposed to go to war in the spring of the year, but he decided to stay home and lounge around in his PJs. And one night on the top of his roof, he saw a woman taking a bath. It was a trap door. The fact is, Satan can manipulate circumstances. And so what you and I have to do is we've got to check them out against God's word. Let me give you one more thing, because this one is huge. And I know I'm getting closer and closer and closer, but you and I, in order to reevaluate, especially in this period of history that we are in, sometimes we've got to slow down, we've got to stop, we've got to pause, and we've got to reevaluate the landscape. And the last thing that we need to stop looking to is this our feelings. I cannot be led by my feelings. Why is that? It's because feelings change all the time. Sometimes they're up and sometimes they're down. When you, on your wedding day, your emotions are elevated. But after you've been married 45 years, like myself, they're still elevated because I know my wife is going to look at this, this, this video, okay, or this, uh, this, this, uh, this online uh, message, okay? <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But you understand what I'm talking about, right? They're up and they're down. When you're at Disney World, folks, your emotions are elevated. When your team got the number one draft pick in the NFL draft a few days ago, guess what? Your emotions were elevated. Understand something, the same is true with the negative emotions of being discouraged and, and in despair and depressed. They're elevated. But if there's anything that we know about emotions is that they can't continue to be at the same level all the time. If you are having a panic attack because of the decisions that are being flooded into your soul right now, one thing that you know is that they won't last. It will pass. And so you can't be led by your feelings. They are here today and they are gone tomorrow. Now I hear a lot of Christians say, well, I, I'm gonna let my conscience be my guide. And I understand what they're talking about there, but understand this. You have a broken conscience. That's why we talked last week about God restoring our soul. Our conscience is a part of our soul. 
We have broken consciences. And so oftentimes we make wrong decisions. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful more than anything else. Folks, we don't even understand our own heart, let alone someone else's heart. The only one that understands hearts and consciences is God himself. But just because you, you, you have this hope, this wish, this thinking for it to be true doesn't mean that it's true. Something is true because it's true. Truth is simply truth, regardless of how you feel about it. And most people determine God's will for their life. And you hear this by them saying, I just have a peace about it. And there's nothing wrong with having peace. We talked about peace. But peace is a feeling that is here today and gone tomorrow. Peace isn't enough to base your decisions upon. Take a look at Proverbs 14, 12. You may feel you're on the right road and still end up dead. Wow. Take a look at the results of being manipulated by your moods out of Isaiah 53, verse six. We've all strayed away like sheep. I'm there. We have left God's path to follow our own. I I'm there. Why? Could it be because we felt like it? And so we have to stop doing the stuff that keeps us from, le from leaving God's path, and we gotta start doing the stuff that keeps us on the right path. What are those things? Well, let me give you five things very quickly. The first one is this. Will you write this down? If I want to get guidance from God, divine direction, I must want to be led. I've got to desire it first. H have you ever, I don't know, been in a pool and de decided to find out how long you could be under the water with just one big breath? And after a period of time, you began to think, I've got to have air. That's what God wants from you. He, he wants to hear you say, God, I want to know what you want me to do. Only then will God begin to reveal what the next step is for you. If you have this lackadaisical feel, well... I'd kind of like to know. God's going to think, well, it must not be that important to you. And so you need to come to God and you need to say, God, I, I got to know. I want to be led by your spirit. Take a look at Psalms 40, verse 8. My God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. David is showing his desire to be led by God through God's word here. The second thing, very quickly, is this. I must be willing to do what God says. I must not only want to be led by God, but I must be willing to do what God says. Meaning you need to come to God and you need to tell him in advance, God, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to do it. It's kind of like being pre-qualified to buy a house. When you get pre-qualified to buy a house, that means you're really serious and, and more than likely you're gonna do it, right? Well, in the very same way, in advance, you gotta get pre-qualified because God's not going to show you what he wants to do in your life, in your situation, with your family, with your finances, with your furlough, with the, a possible new job, whatever. If you have an attitude, God, you show me what to do and then I'll think about it. God's gonna say, no way, Jose. Take a look at John 7, 17. Whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it will know if what I teach comes from God. And so you trust God in advance. You get pre-qualified. Number three, real quickly, I must look to God's word. 
Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. If you're not in the Bible every day, guess what? You're in the dark. You are walking through the night without a flashlight, okay? And you need some light. Take a look at Psalms 119, verse 133. Guide my steps by your word. That's the flashlight. So I will not be overcome by any evil, by darkness. Now let me just say two things about God's word, okay? And the first one is this. Will you write this down? God's word is, or God's will is found in God's word. Most of God's will for your life is found in his word. And I say most because really the big rocks are found in God's word. The specific ones, not so much. Okay, like the person you should marry. I mean, when I was wanting to get married, I didn't find my wife's name in the Bible. You're you're not going to find that kind of direction in God's word, okay? But you will find through the principles that are in God's word how to find the right person. And that's important. And when you don't open the Bible, what you are doing is you are shutting God's mouth. So let me say that in a little bit different way. Stop, stop listening for a voice and start listening to, 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 or looking for a verse. Let me say that again. Stop listening for a voice and start listening for or looking for a verse. Stop looking to the sky and start looking for scripture. God's will is found in God's word. And by the way, let me, let me just add this. This is important. If God's told you to do something already and you're not doing it, folks, he's not gonna give you step two. God's gonna wait. He, he treats you and I just like we treat our kids. Hey, guess what? You don't get to go to second grade until you've finished first grade, okay? And so if God's shown you something already, do that first and then God will reveal to you the second step. The second thing I want you to write down is this, that God's will never contradicts his word. If you get an idea that contradicts God's word, guess what? It's not God's will. If you have some kind of impression, well, I just had this impression that God wanted me to do this. I just just felt like and thought like this was the right thing to do. But if it contradicts God's word, guess what? It's not God's will. And honestly, this is how a lot of cults get started. Uh, they have these, these people have these impressions like an angel has come to them and said, you know what, you need to write this book and add it to the other books of the Bible. In Galatians 1.8, it says, that's not from God. And so God's will is found in God's word and God's will never contradicts God's word. The fourth thing, real quickly, is if I wanna be led by God's spirit, I must ask the Holy Spirit to be my guide. Do you remember in high school, there was this position called a guidance counselor, and they would help you decide kind of the path that you needed to go on, whether you needed to go to college or junior college or a trade school or into the military or just go out and get a job. Well, you have a guidance counselor for life. It's called, or he's called, the Holy Spirit. You just don't have a map, the Bible. You just don't have a compass, your conscience. You have a personal guide who wrote the Bible, who wants to whisper in your ear, go this way. And so you and I have to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us. And I want you to circle the word ask. Because if you and I, according to James, don't ask, we don't get. But if you ask God to guide you, and folks, right now for the church, you can be praying for me. There's all kinds of decisions that I'm needing to make right now. But I know this, that if I ask God to lead me 
and us, he will. And he will do the same for you, whether it is a financial problem, a health problem, a business problem, a marriage problem, or a family problem. If you ask God, guess what? He will lead you. Take a look at Psalms 27, verse 11. Teach me, Lord, what you want me to do and lead me down the right path. How does he do that? Well, he does it in a number of ways. And I just want to mention a couple, okay? First of all, he will remind you. Whatever you've read and whatever you've studied, at the right time when you are looking for an answer, God has the ability to bring it to the forefront of your mind. Folks, we have a hard time retaining things. We have a hard time remembering things, especially as the gray cells get grayer. But God never forgets, and the Holy Spirit can bring it to the forefront of your mind. And then the second way is simply this. He can give you an idea. He can put an impression on your mind. And as I like to say, and no doubt you have heard, if God gives you an idea, it's called inspiration. If the devil gives you an idea, it's called temptation. If you give yourself an idea, which a lot of people are giving themselves a lot of ideas right now, it's called stupidity, okay? Now, anytime you want to speed up the process of hearing from God, is there a way to do that? Because a lot of times, folks, we're at the end of our rope. We're, we're, we're in a corner. We have to make a decision. Is there any way to speed up the process of hearing what God has on his heart for my life and going the right direction? And the answer is yes. Will you write these down? The first one is this. Ask him humbly. Psalms 25, 9, God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. The more humble you are in coming to God and revering who he is, the quicker God gives you an answer. And then number two, write this down, when you ask in faith. There have been times when I have wanted physically to get to a certain destination and there is a certain path that I know I can go down to get there. And soon as I get on that path, that road, that, that freeway, that, that uh, toll road, boom, traffic jam. And what do we do now? We pull out our smartphone, we plug in the address and through GPS it says, go this way, go that way, go this way, go that way. And every time I do that, and my GPS shows which way I need to go, I think, do I trust this GPS? Or am I going to trust myself? There are times in our lives where we are wanting to quickly get to where we believe God wants us to go. And indeed, he may want us to go exactly there but not the same route that we've always gone down. And so you gotta trust him. And this is what James chapter one, verse five says. If you want to know what God really wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But be sure that you really expect him, that's faith, to tell you. If you don't ask him in faith, don't expect the Lord to give you any solid answers. And so you ask humbly and you ask in faith. And then the last one. Folks, this is the key. If I want to be led by God's spirit, I must listen to God's response. This is probably the biggest reason why we don't hear God's voice. We don't wait for it. We don't, we don't slow down. We don't pause. We don't stop. We don't seek to listen to God's voice. Instead, we run after listening to other people's voices. And so we don't hear God's voice because we haven't 
slowed down. We haven't paused. We haven't stopped. And so I can't overemphasize in this season while we are shelter in place of taking the time of quieting our souls, of getting private time, going out on a walk by ourselves. If you have to, locking yourself in the bathroom. Okay, my wife did that when we had young kids. Getting a private time. And as you do, ask God this question. Give him what you're pondering on. Your finances, your family, your business, your health, whatever it is, give him that. And then ask this question of God. God, Is there anything you want to say to me about this? And wait. And it may not happen at that time. It may be tomorrow or it may be next week. But that decision is a major decision that could determine the outcome of your life and of others. And God will do it. In Job 33, 14, it says this, God God does speak, sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand. Sometimes God speaks through the Bible. Sometimes God speaks through Bible teachers. Sometimes God speaks through giving you an idea. Sometimes God speaks through pain. Sometimes God speaks through circumstances. The key to all of these different ways that God might speak into your soul while you are in that quiet moment is that you've got to test every one of them by the word of God. Because God's will is found in God's word. And God's will never contradicts God's word. I know that some of you right now are at the end of your rope. I know you will feel like you're in a corner, that there is no way out. I want to close with this verse out of Psalm 77, verse 19. It is, it is a psalm, and this verse is about Moses, who was led by God out of Egypt to the Dead Sea that was and appeared to be a dead end. They were led to a place called Baal-Saphon. It was a dead end. But Baal-Saphon in the Hebrew means God's hidden treasure. And look at this verse in verse 19. Your road led by a pathway through the sea a pathway no one knew was there. It was God's hidden treasure. And some of you feel trapped right now. You don't know which way to go. Understand this. You are at Baal Safan. You are at a place of discovering God's hidden treasure for your way out, but you've got to stop doing some things, and you've got to start doing some things. And if you will do these things, you will discover God's hidden treasure. Now we're going to take the offering. We're going to pass the plate as we always do. And so I want you to give. I want you to text 73256 and type in one word, Life Point Church. And I want you to give your offerings to the Lord this Sunday. If you're in need of prayer, you can text 94,000 and text in Life Point Prayer. If you want to get into a virtual group, you can text 94,000 Life Point Groups with an S. And we will immediately correspond with you and help you find that group and we will begin praying for you. And if you need to talk with someone because you're at a place right now, you need to talk to somebody. We're on, we're on, we're live. 
you can call 972-335-3112 and someone will answer and they'll be glad to talk with you. Life point, we got a great God. He is a good God all the time and he is a God who is a leader and he wants to lead and he wants to guide us. Let's let him be that in our life for his glory and for our good. Let's pray. Lord, I just really do thank you. You are an awesome God. You are good all the time. You are the source of everything that we need. You are the God of peace. When our world is chaotic on the outside, we can be calm and peaceful on the inside. You are a God who likes to restore our minds and our wills and our emotions so that you can lead us. Lead us in the right path. And God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you that we can look to you as the captain of the ship, the Lord of the universe, the creator of the world. Lord of our life and that we can follow you and as we do we will always be led in the right way down the right path will you allow God to do that in your life maybe you've sensed that you've been your own boss today I just want to ask you will you drop him from your head into your heart because you don't know what tomorrow might bring. You need Jesus as your Lord. And you can do that by simply just saying this, God, I want you to be my leader right now. And I'm dropping you from my head into my heart. And I accept you as my boss. Thank you that you're going to lead me. And as you lead, I follow. And if you prayed that prayer, I, I want to hear from you. Text 94,000 and type in new start. And we'd love to correspond with you and get you some literature. Lord, we give you this for your glory and for our good. In Jesus name we pray.